the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Uh, today is the second Sunday of the blessed month of Abib, and uh, in this uh, Sunday the Church chose for us the passage here according to St. Matthew, and there are so many things we can learn from this passage, um, but I think the one that's the most striking is what the Lord says about the children. Um, he said to his disciples, and the time uh, they came to him saying, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? The disciples, they asked this question because they desire to be great in the kingdom of heaven. And I think maybe some of us, this is our same desire, is to be great in the kingdom of heaven. But sometimes we start a little bit early about wanting to be great. Sometimes we say to ourselves, how can I be the greatest in my work? And uh, when doing this, I can trample on other people, put other people down, all to raise myself. We can say, how can I be the greatest student? And we can do this as well. And we can also sacrifice our moral and our biblical principles and trying to make uh, this come true. We sometimes say, how can I be the greatest in my family? And in doing so, I sow discord and I instill competition. Even in our children, sometimes, you know, we often compare them with their siblings and with their cousins and so on, because I want you to be greater than your cousin. And we still in this, uh, uh, this negative part of competition. Um, even among the service, sometimes we say, how can I be the greatest servant? How can I give a better lesson? How can I be more vigilant in my service, better than so and so and so and so? So this is not strange to us as Christians wanting to be the greater. But rather than directly answering their question, the Lord gives them the illustration of a child. <clears throat> and what is it or what virtues are there in a child that make them so great in the eyes of God? And which he said to them, that unless you are become like one of these, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. I have just a couple of points here. Um, <clears throat> number one is their trust, and their, uh, their trust and their loyalty. Children um, often, are, you know, they trust their parents without question, especially when they're really young. You tell them, let's go to the doctor, they'll go to the doctor. You sit at the doctor's office, it's time for your shots. They have no idea what's going to happen to them. And as soon as that needle hits their body, they start yelling and screaming, and they look at you for help and consolation to save them from this man who's trying to murder them. Right? Um, and you look at them and you hold them, and everything seems to be okay. After the shot is finished, they cry for a little bit, and then that's it. Because what is their comfort and consolation is in you. They trust that even when we take them to somebody who seems to be hurting them, but as long as you're next to them, they're okay. Sometimes we go through our lives, these hardship and hard and difficult times, and we deal with difficult people. And sometimes we as adults, we, we don't have this trust in the Lord, that even during this difficult time, He is still with me. I can imagine the three holy youth, if you remember their story from the book of Daniel, you know, they're with God and they witness for Him you know, all of their life, and they're faithful. They left their foreign land, they're in Babylon, but they're still praying and worshiping their God despite all the commands against them. And then when they finally, you know, get caught, and they're before the ruler, I can imagine them thinking to themselves, or maybe we would think to ourselves, when is God going to kill the king? 
when is God going to put out the fire? When, as we get closer, when is God going to uh, make the hand of the soldiers be uh, stiff? All these questions, when is he going to do this? When? Until they're thrown into the fire, and then they see the hand of God. So, you know, sometimes God wants us to continue to trust in him, even in the midst of difficulty. And this trust involves three aspects, <clears throat> understanding, direction, and dependence. Firstly, they uh, trust in understanding. <clears throat> the Proverbs, book of Proverbs tells us, tells us, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And in all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. So in everything, trust in Him and He will direct your path. Um, <clears throat> If you remember, I really like this part. Remember the story of the feeding of the five loaves and two fish? Remember, what? where did the five loaves and the two fish come from? From a young child, right? And this five loaves and two fish is probably some uh, lunch that his mom packed him and said, this is for you for lunch. And when the disciples came and said, does anybody have any food? This child with all simplicity and all trust says, I have food. If you want it, take it. You can use it. He didn't worry about himself, but he trusted completely in the authority. He trusted in the disciples and in Christ. He says, use this, you can have it. Maybe in his mind he thought, okay, this would at least feed the master and maybe uh, a couple of his disciples, but, but them better than me. And I know if they get fed, then they will you know, provide something for me maybe. Lo and behold, what happens, the few that he had became enough to feed the multitude. This simple trust and an un without calculating things. Philip, who actually said, what is this among all these people? What is five loaves and two fish among all these people? Philip calculated things and said, this is not going to work. And the disciples with him. But the child didn't do that. He trusted uh, without his understanding. There are some commandments, my beloved, in Scripture that we may not understand. But does that mean because I don't understand them, I don't fulfill them? Ah, this is a big difference now. Those of the kingdom of heaven will obey God's commandments, not because they under, have to understand, but because of who it is that's giving the command. It's my heavenly Father, who's the creator of the whole universe. So whatever He says, I will do. Maybe I'll understand later, but I will obey first. Also the trust in direction. <clears throat> in uh, the book of Jeremiah, it says, O Lord, I know the way of man, it is not in himself. It is not a man who walks to direct his own steps. It's not up to a man to direct his own steps. This is contrary, very contrary to what the world is telling us. You walk in the way that you see fit. You, whatever is right to you is right to you. You declare your own truth and all, all this, you know, uh, hogwash. If you look at the life of Abraham, he didn't do this. When God appeared to him and told him, get, out of your, uh, get away from your father and from your family and go to a place that I will show you. Abraham wanted and desired to know God. And then if we know uh, later in his life, we hear about his uh, um, dispute, I guess, with Lot. The land was so big or so small that it wasn't enough for all of them. So and they needed to split. So Abraham says, Pick the land that you go to, and I'll, and I'll go in the opposite direction. You go north, I'll go south. You go east, I'll go west. Very easy. Lot thought to himself, let's find the best land. I can make the most money. So he goes to Sodom and Gomorrah. 
What was Abraham's concern? Where is the Lord? The Lord will be with me in whatever land that I go. It doesn't matter. As long as He is with me. This is the direction. The believers go where the Lord directs them. That's why in the Psalm of the Good Shepherd, we say, Yea, though I walk in the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For what? For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, these comfort me. What matters, my beloved, is not the way, but that the Lord is with me. Also in trust is dependence. In the Psalms it says, The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in Him and I am helped. My heart trusted in Him and I am helped. Helped is like in something that has already happened in the past tense. So he was sure that when I trust in Him, I will be helped. It's not a matter of will I, but I am helped. Simply because the Lord, I depend on Him. The second thing that makes children virtuous in the eyes of the Lord and uh, something maybe we can learn from is their humility. Their humility. Of course, children aren't perfect. You and I know that. As they grow up, they become maybe, you know, uh, they show maybe some similar qualities that we have. But in their infancy and in their young age, uh, they're very humble. They're absent of boasting. They're not interested about, you know, am I better than this person or better than that person? That's why the Lord told his disciples, if anyone desires to be first, let him be last of all and servant of all. The child in the household knows that he's the last of all. He knows I can argue all I want with my parents, but at the end of the day, <laughs> or I can cry, but at the end of the day, whose word is going to prevail? The parents, right? So he knows this. Um, and then also in Psalm 74 in the uh, Egebeah or in the Septuagint says, Do not boast in yourself. Do not accuse God of wrongdoing. What does this mean? This means that actually when we boast in ourselves, we accuse God of wrongdoing. We accuse God of doing something wrong because we think that my way is better than his way. And when we do so, we make him seem as if he is doing wrong and I am doing the right. Also, children have a beautiful quality of forgiveness. Beautiful quality of forgiveness. They very rarely, and uh, they don't hold grudges and resentment. You know, I remember once with my son, I got upset at him, and uh, I made it very clear to him that I was very upset with my facial expression, with my tone of voice and everything. And you know, the, the beautiful thing is that when I got upset with him, he... Um, he, of course, he quickly realized that I was upset with him and uh, he apologized and then, you know, we became, you know, reconciled with one another. And then a few minutes later, as if nothing happened, he was coming to me talking and joking as if nothing really happened. How many of us, when we get in, forget like an argument or, or be angry with one another, just simply disagreement? Sometimes as adults, we can't even tolerate a disagreement. And we say, okay, if we disagree with each other, we can't be friends. We can't be co-workers. I can't get along with these people. Simply because of a dif difference of uh, opinion. Children, my beloved, are very forgiven. They don't hold, hold judges. St. Paul tells us, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Also, children are very uh, good about desiring peace. Desiring peace. There was another time again with my son when I got upset with him that 
I guess in my response to him, he got scared. And typically if people get scared, they run away from the offender. But we f I found with him, yes, you went the opposite way. He came to me. He came to me to reconcile. And he came to me because he was scared. And this actually was such a beautiful thing. Because this is actually how it should be with us and God. Many times we feel when we upset God or we sin, we run away from Him. We say, how can I come to church? How can I face Him in my prayer? But it's actually the opposite. We should be going to Him. This is the time where we need Him the most. This is the time where we need to hear His comforting words of forgiveness and His love and His embracing arm. Just as He did with the prodigal son when He came back and His father embraced Him and hugged Him and told Him He was lost and He is found. Was There was no rebuke at the moment. That will come later. But the moment afterwards, there was this desire for peace and reconciliation. How do we act when somebody upsets you? How do we act when somebody curses us? Do we desire peace and reconciliation? Do we respond to curse for the curse? David, the prophet, as he was a king, was being cursed by a man who was a relative of Saul, and name was Shimei. This, game, this guy came and cursed him and says, You're a bloodthirsty man. You killed my father, uh, and although he didn't, um, and you're just a bloodthirsty murderer. And then his men, who were like his uh, chief of staff, you know, and uh, head of the military for David, said, just say the word and off with his head. You know what David said to him? He said, let him alone, let him curse me. For so the Lord has ordered him. It may be that the Lord will look on my affliction and that the Lord will repay me with good for his cursing this day. So he looked at it and said, maybe the Lord will repay me for something good because this person cursed me. Maybe I deserve this curse for the sin that I committed with Bathsheba before. So he looked at the curse as not being from him, but being from who? Being from God. Of course, God doesn't curse. But maybe God permitted this for my humility, to bring my attention to something. He didn't look at it in a way where he was, this guy has no right to do this, he shouldn't do this. Um, sometimes even when people offend us, we, ha we become inconsolable. You know what inconsolable means? Meaning we won't even accept an apology. We'll say, okay, somebody will offend us, and they'll say, you know, I'm sorry, I didn't mean, that's not good enough. You did this before, and I'm not accepting this. This inconsolability is not how children are. And this is not the way of the kingdom of heaven. Lastly, children don't think based thoughts. Very innocent. If you notice the world labels the evil things, I don't know why, as adult. Adult language, adult content, adult as if it's okay for adults but not okay for children. I don't know where the standard or where the cutoff is, where the cutoff between it's you know non-adult and adult. There should be one standard. Actually anything that is we say adult should be sinful. <laughs> sinful language, sinful content, right? Adult doesn't mean it's permissible to adults. Children don't think these base thoughts. They don't think of envy. They don't think of lust. They don't think of adultery. They don't think of revenge. They're ignorant uh, regarding the knowledge of evil and wise in the Lord. If you think about it, what is it that made Adam and Eve sin? What is it that made them sin? You know what it is? It's their curiosity. As you'll find that when the child grows, their curiosity grows. And herein lies the beginning or the temptation of sin. And as parents, this is where we need to become very vigilant. 
because as the saying goes, curiosity what? Killed the cat, right? And curiosity not only killed the cat, but it killed our fathers, forefathers, and potentially can kill us as well. How many times, you know, it may be somebody who's addicted to pornography or whatever, it starts with curiosity. And then it ends up being an addiction and an enslavement. And then there'll be something where I feel so caught in this and I can't get out that I feel depressed and I hear the whispers of Satan say to me, get rid of your life. Right? So all of these things begin with curiosity. Children, my beloved, don't think these base thoughts and it doesn't begin with curiosity. I often tell the youth, it's okay being in the dark. Oftentimes, if the people at work or the people at school are looking at something and laughing or joking and everybody seems to be amused by it, 85% of the time, it's something evil or something wrong, a bad joke, bad comment, bad post, bad video, right? Rare, rarely, it's actually something clean and something funny. So it's better, you know, if you know the people and you know these type and they're laughing and, you know, having a good time of this, it's better to be in the dark. They'll say, hey, you want to listen to this? No, not really. I'm okay. You know, are oh, you missing out? That's okay. I'm, I'm missing out. This is how the children are. And this is how the Christ would like all of the believers to be, all of us to be. And as he said, unless you become like one of these little children, you will not see the kingdom of heaven. Let's keep these couple of virtues in our mind. The virtue of trust. Um, we said under trust that it's an understanding and direction and independence. Also the virtue of humility, forgiveness, the desire for peace and reconciliation and the ability to be in the dark and not uh, letting our curiosity get the best of us. To the Lord be the glory forever and ever. Amen.